And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Lights out, and away we ao. Welcome to No Breaks, a Formula One podcast from the No Dunks Inc. Classic Factory, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Whether you're joining us live in the Slipstream team here on YouTube or listening to the podcast later, thank you very much. I'm your host, Trey Kirby, and I'm joined today by our local F1 expert and a man who had marching bands cruising by his house all weekend, <laughs> Graydon Gordian. How's it going, everyone? It was it was a party. It was a celebratory weekend on uh, my block, despite the fact that I didn't do a lot of celebrating this weekend. It was not a celebratory weekend for most of my sporting teams. Ah, uh, except for uh, the Texas Longhorns. Hook them horns. The horns were hooking them. <laughs> Go when, horns. Don't I'm, mind if I do. If I'm remembering correctly. <clears throat> Go horns. Yeah, yeah, go horns, but also I think you play a horn, don't you? Like I do, I, I like play the saxophone. Man? Oh, saxophone? I'm a saxophonist. Yeah. Any any inkling to grab the old sax and just as, ho- as the and bands were coming by? Hop, hop on out and join the join on in in the band. I mean, uh, cross my mind. <laughs> I, think <laughs> I, I could do that. I could do that. Yeah, yeah, I could. Yeah. We've also got our team principal here on the pit wall making the right calls. JD, JD, what's up, man? What's up, guys? A different of- sort of porch fest for you this weekend, Graydon. It sounds like. Oh yeah, but I was on I was on my porch, but this was Sunday afternoon. Uh, porch okay. fest, I guess. Yeah, I missed. I was up in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, at, oh. at a buddy's wedding, my buddy Eric's wedding. So. so you were doing a little celebrating. I was. I was. Yeah, there were plenty of reasons to celebrate. I actually saw your tweets, obviously. I got to go do my research to get a zinger off the top here. But uh, <laughs> you stayed up all night to watch this Grand Prix, right? You got home from the wedding Saturday. It was getting ready to go, 1 a.m. Eastern, and you just stayed up for the whole four well, I, hours. Yeah, because I'm dedicated like that. The rest of you <laughs> are our casuals. <laughs> <laughs> I I was awake. We were at a bar. We were at the after party bar with my various friends, and the race came on. It just came on like whatever was on ESPN two before yeah. was what was on, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna watch this." And I watched the the laps before the red flag live, and then like <laughs> at three a.m. when we went home, the race had not yet started yeah, again yeah. or something. So I yeah. It was a weird one, a wet one in Japan this weekend. We're going to break down everything from the weekend. We usually don't talk about practice, but I did see Nicholas Latifi went the wrong way during uh, during one of the sessions on Friday. Wait, what? He made Wait, a wrong I turn, see, man. Oh, not like he did the the course like counterclockwise. <laughs> no, no, no. Not reverse mode. <laughs> Not reverse what, mode. I thought that's what you meant. I was going to be like, that's insane. My guy somehow found a dead end on a Formula One track. Like he took a right and he's there, like, oh, my car feels weird. There are other <laughs> like routes and ways to organize the track and you see them sometimes. And I've always wondered like what, what would happen if somebody took – an alternate route like this. I always notice this in France. There would be there's like eight different ways to like chop up that track. But I I miss this entirely. That's yeah, crazy. It looked like he just turned down 
some like runoff area for where for where it would be. Um, but you know how I guess there's a crossover right in Suzuka. Yeah. So yeah, there yeah. are times where maybe you would choose the wrong turn. I guess it was a little rainy. Maybe visibility wasn't quite what it should be on Friday. But the guy went the wrong way. Had to like do a three point turnaround <laughs> to get back and finish his uh, <laughs> his practice session. So an inauspicious start. Respect. Respect. What did I say last he week? He went the wrong the way. The man plays his... by his own rules. That's what did right, I say? Man. He does not care what the rest of the grid thinks. He'll go his own way. He takes the path less traveled. And look, he ended up getting points. No spoilers, but this is a big one. Latifi did get points this weekend, so maybe this will be his new thing for the last few races here. Go the wrong way on Friday. Throw everybody off the scent. Surprise him on Sunday. If Latifi just from here on out is like in the points, he just crushes it to end the year. I will love. I would love that. That I would be been incredible. Going the, wrong way the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd be incredible. Uh, that's a, a little practice talk for you. I guess even uh, the F1 drivers need to nail down the way the course goes. As for quality on Saturday, it was the one dry running of the weekend. Anything stick out to you from this? I don't know. It actually was like kind of a fairly normal quality. You know, Sebastian Vettel had a nice qualifying. Yep. I thought that was, you know, impressive for him and happy for him. He's one of the many drivers who loves Suzuka, but he himself, even I think during qualifying, said over the radio how it's his, it's, you know, pretty much his favorite course, so much sure. better than all the others. I, you know, I actually was a little bit underwhelmed by the guys at the top, only in the sense that I thought both Max and Charles kind of left time on the board. Mm-hmm. I, neither of them actually hooked it up and had a spectacular quality lap. I, I don't think in the end, Max's pole lap was the last lap he did. I think it was his penultimate lap. Yeah, uh, you're right. So I think, you know, so I think that, um, that was a little like underwhelming, but you know, it was, you know, I mean, it, it was fun. It was good. It was competitive. It was very competitive. It was razor thin there at the end, which was, you know, nice to see. But other than that, I didn't have like a bunch of huge takeaways, I think. Yeah, super close. The results ended up being, but like you're saying, it wasn't even Max improving his lap time on his final lap. But Leclerc, uh, so Max P1 uh, heading into Sunday's race. Leclerc finished P2 after qualifying by one one hundredth of a second, so pretty close. And then Signs was in P3, five one hundredths of a second. All pretty close. All pretty close. Uh, but it ended up not mattering at all because they had to race in rainy conditions on Sunday. Just been back-to-back weird races. Singapore, Super all weird. yellow flags all day. In Japan, we got hit with a red flag early due to the heavy rain, which left us with about 45 minutes of actual racing out there on the course. Is there, like, anything to be done? I know there's there's time limit stuff that factors into everything. Everybody was like, we want to see racing in the wet, but it looked too wet out there. Just from a visibility standpoint, if you're not in first place or if there's not a huge gap, from the car that's ahead of you, you can't see anything. I, I mean, listen, I want them to go racing. I get the guys were saying, some were being like, yeah, we can go racing or whatever. You know, Lewis was making those sorts of comments and things like that. Uh, it does feel to me like at a certain point it's pouring too hard that even if you could control the car, if you can't see what's in front of you, you can't mm-hmm. do this. You can't do the sport if you can't see five feet in front of your face. It's just like that. <laughs> yeah. Like I, You do it, need to be able to see. Yeah, it's just so – It's uh, and, and we saw some things that went awry out there. You know, you don't – you know, think about uh, – there was that incident with Gasly and the tractor, which you know, I'm sure we'll get to. There's a lot of people who are very upset about that. But even when Carlos's car spun and, you know, which caused the original safety car that preceded the red flag, you know, his car sticking out partly onto the track, if – 
think if you know you couldn't see in front of you and there's a car stranded out there, you could easily see somebody hitting him. You could mm-hmm. see somebody. I just think it's too dangerous at a certain point to do it. My thing is that we have these wet weather tires, these extreme wet tires, and these intermediate tires, and it feels like increasingly any condition that calls for the wet weather tire is in fact too wet to even <laughs> yeah. race. Like it's like they're unnecessary because – the most extreme weather they'll let them race in is conditions that inters would be acceptable. Sure. So I don't know. It just – it definitely feels – this is also – they're being more conservative about this than they have in the past. You like think they've so? raced in some pretty heavy downpours in the past. I just think they're more – I think they've had a few incidents in recent years, whether it's Lando's big shunt in Belgium or – you know, I know it's not a rain-related thing, but Roman Grosjean, you know, and the kind of the the – fire in the car incident that are making them a renewed focus on like driver safety and it's making them like a little gun shy on like going for it yeah. when there's risk involved you know and it, honestly like from a viewer standpoint it can make it tough to watch the race just because you can't see the cars out there 100 uh, percent. Yeah. the only thing cool about it is that you can see the turbulent air from the spray i love that it's like a visualization of everything you hear during clear weather races where they're like oh it's it's hard to follow with that with that churned up air and then you can actually see it because there's water vapor or rain in the air it's very cool i think but uh yeah it seems that there's a hard it's hard to find the sweet spot where you need the wet tires but it's also still okay to be racing out there and i don't know i wasn't surprised to see him go to the red flag with the way signs spun yeah. off and just how much water was sitting on the track even as they got later and later into the race between monaco and singapore and things like that it seems very consistent with their decision making mm-hmm. this year i will say that it's like they have been pretty i don't think the i don't think the stewards of the fia have been consistent about everything <laughs> but one thing they've been consistent about is hey when it's raining a lot we're not going to go race we did get some results from the we race did. however in japan so let's take a look at the top 10 I was trying to track down how many laps they did. I couldn't even figure it out, Graydon. But it was enough for the points to matter. Max Verstappen finished in P1 in Japan. He's followed by Sergio Perez, who was elevated to second place after a late penalty for Charles Leclerc, who finishes in P3. Uh, In P4, we got Esteban Ocon, followed by Hamilton. Vettel, Sebastian Vettel there for Aston Martin, finished in P6, right ahead of Fernando Alonso. George Russell, Nicholas Latifi getting points there for finishing ninth in the Williams, and Lando Norris getting the final point in P10 for McLaren. The big news is up top. Certainly, Verstappen did get enough points for the win to win his second straight Drivers' Championship. There were enough laps. You factor in the Leclerc penalty late. It means an insurmountable lead for Verstappen, who wasn't even totally convinced that he had won the championship. I don't know if you saw him in the well, cool-down room. He's like, champion, not champion. Yeah, and, and when Johnny Herbert was the one to inform him of it, like, during, <laughs> yeah. the after, like, during the interview afterwards. Yeah, that was a little bit awkward. And I'll admit, going to be totally honest, not 100% sure, like, why he did. Okay, to explain, I mean, they were talking about all, like, how far they go into the race and how many points they would get and things like that. You know, uh, Crofty and uh, Jensen Button talked about that repeatedly throughout the broadcast. And my understanding was they hadn't gone far enough to award full points. Christian Horner admitted after the race he thought the same thing. (laughs) He was surprised they awarded full points. I guess they are allowed to, so they just did. But I – 
I'm I'm was both confused as to why they did because during the entire broadcast you would have gotten the impression that they were not gonna yeah and then and and seemingly multiple people on a variety of pit walls also thought that was the case uh, and, but then also like I'm also just surprised that the rules this is yet another like classic FIA thing the rules are written in such a way that even many of the teams don't really know what's going on yeah. until after the fact. It reminds me of the, like, end of qualifying penalty <laughs> fiasco where we had to wait, like, several hours to learn what the starting grid would be, where it's like, it's it's like you get to an end of a race and it's, it's not immediately obvious how many points have been granted. It is an issue. Like, they Very should clarify strange. that. <laughs> like, it shouldn't be happening. Yeah, it feels like one guy's just like, ugh. Well, I guess I gotta go figure out the math on this yeah. one. He's like yeah. getting out his rulers and his spreadsheets, yeah. trying to line everything up. They got to 28 laps. 28 laps were complete, and apparently, after restarting after the red flag, that was enough. Yeah, that's to give yes, Verstappen the, the win. After the after a red flag restart, they're allowed to then grant the full points. But that's also not. I don't know. I just it. I just feel like this is an area where it should be. <laughs> it should have been a crystal little more clear. clear. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Well, especially considering, like, we went into the weekend knowing the various scenarios, right? Yeah. Like, had to be plus eight on Leclerc, had to be plus six on Sainz, or uh, uh, on Perez for both of those to happen. <laughs> but then it came down to, like, the most possibly confusing way to actually get over the 50% threshold for whatever. Whatever. Max Verstappen, he's your champion. champion. And he basically won it right at the beginning. Great start for Leclerc. Yeah, um, great start for Leclerc. But an awesome move. For Verstappen to make the overtake. They were talking a lot during the broadcast about the difference between a Formula One racing line and a kart racing line. Yeah. And I guess it was Jensen Button, right, was talking about how it's better to be in the wet parts for a lot of that overtaking stuff. And, there's, and, and in the karting line, yeah, the karting line, like when you are karting, you do just take a different line around a lot of these mm-hmm. corners. But I do think, yeah, that, that he was just that Verstappen was both in the better part of the track when they got to turn one to 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 regain the position but the after what was you're right a terrific start by Leclerc but also the other thing about it was is what I thought you saw was really clearly demonstrated was just how terrific the braking is on the Red Bull mm. how much later like a good beat later that Max can break and when going in to like complete that overtake, it's something that I think they've really nailed in that car setup and gives them like a real advantage when it's, you know, borderline 50 50 going into a corner like that. So they were, yeah, they're, he, that was a great overtaking move. And you're right. I mean, I think basically sealed the win as I, there was not really going to be a plausible scenario short of Max making an error. Right. If Max just drove a clean race, Leclerc retaking him was not going to be plausible, especially once it became clear they were going to do a rolling start the second time out and not do a standing start. Yep, and he did fine with the rolling start. Ended up being a dominant win for Verstappen. He won by 27 seconds, I think, Crushed when it came him. down to it in a 28-lap race. Pretty impressive. At the end, he was basically like, hey, let me pit and try to get this fastest lap point off of Joe. They said, nah, you don't need it, man. We did the math. We know you're the champion. Probably. So we'll be fine. Uh, What did you make of Leclerc versus Perez on that last lap there coming down to it? So I think this is is a really interesting – I actually thought that there was a lot to take away from this. This this like few laps and this incident in the final chicane, there's like – it way more happened than I think even realizes than just giving the title to Max. 
is like this to me has isolated the number one thing that Ferrari needs to fix for the remainder of the year and then going into 2023, which is tire degradation on the car. We saw this absolutely crater them in Singapore. If they had better tire management, uh, the car enabled better tire management. Honestly, Charles probably wins that race because mm-hmm. he can hang within five seconds of Sergio. And if they have better tire management, he easily cruises to second in this race. At one point, he's far ahead of Sergio, right? So it's there. The, the, the degradate. And when you saw once they all lined up like one, two, three after the race, you could see their tires and the Red Bulls looked like wet weather tires. You could see the grooves, and the Ferrari looked like slicks. The tires <laughs> were completely gone. And this is all a byproduct of the fact that when they issued the new technical directive and they had to adjust the cars to suit the new requirements around the floors and reduce the porpoising, Ferrari lost a lot more pace. This impacted them negatively a lot more than it did Red Bull, which was much more resilient against the new technical directive. And the way they found that renewed pace has may majorly come at the cost of the tires and you see that you actually it's funny you see the pace because you see them stick with red bull at the beginning of every stint you saw it when when leclerc was on the mediums at the very beginning of like the last third of singapore when he was right on sergio's tail and then you saw it at the restart here in japan where he actually a couple of times out set faster laps than then Max mm-hmm. and really wasn't losing time to him. You know, he 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 was right there. He lost some time, like in a little bit on the restart itself. But it's you know he was close and and was putting in similar laps and then just fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fell off a cliff. So that to me is like this race aside. It's like that has something. That is something they have to address if they want to compete for a title in 2023, or else they have no chance. They have no chance if you if your tires are not going to last more than half a dozen laps, yeah. you ten, you 10 laps at most. That's it, It's just not going to work. Because for Red Bull, it's just <clears throat> wait them out. Just wait. They're totally, going to fall yeah. off at the end, and that's exactly – like you're saying, that's exactly what happened in Singapore. They said to Perez, just disappear, and it wasn't even an issue for It him. wasn't even an issue, right? And here I think Sergio, you know, for all intents and purposes, probably should have never – even caught him you know we're we're not for that and as far as what happened at the end i mean listen it's like he i mean sergio is putting good pressure on Mm -hmm. him i actually a lot of people were kind of on charles for making this error driving through the chicane there in the end and i get it he's made some like bonehead mistakes that have cost him at the very end of races over the years he's he's had some errors in this instance i actually Gave him a little bit of a free pass only because the tires were in such terrible shape. I'm impressed he held it together for as long as he did and wasn't driving all over the place to begin with. I mean, the tires were unusable at that point. So I'm impressed it took him that long to make an error of that, you know, of that size. So eh, the only thing I'll say about the penalty, which in some basic sense was appropriate, like like he did cut the chicane, like I, you know, is is that what I don't get – is like why in some instances the stewards are like that's a five second penalty there he goes it's it's after a race but then like last week in Singapore they were like well we've got to talk about this like we're gonna have Sergio come into the stewards room and we're gonna talk about it and we're gonna wait like a long time to issue a final decision like why when do they wait when do they not wait when do they let a driver defend himself versus when don't they it's unclear to me. And I feel like that should also be consistent. I favor what they did this week, which is like you saw the data. You could see all the 
data from the car. You could see it on screen. Like, just make a call. Just make a decision. Yeah. What's the dri- the driver's only going to come up to you and say, "I didn't do anything you wrong." Me off. Like, yeah, yeah like yeah, that's exactly. like that's like they like they're not going to yeah. tell you anything. Like, I yeah. you know, so it's so I say just make a call like they did, but they should be consistent about that. Yeah, I feel it was probably had something to do with the penalty factoring into the championship race, and they wanted to get their math done as soon as they possibly could, but it was a pretty cool battle at the end, Leclerc versus Perez, and like you're saying, I agree, not an egregious botch uh, by Leclerc, but it did cost them a five-second penalty, which moved into P3, which gave the championship to Max. Uh, Short one, though, for Carlos Sainz this weekend. Not, not, uh, not Not great, not great. Uh Uh-uh. I mean, not much I, to say. I mean, not the guy much to spun say. out, the, throw, spun out on the first lap, slammed into a wall, and ended his race. And that was that. Yet another very, very early exit for Carlos, which he was kind of had a, a lot of these instances early in the season. And I think a costly one for Ferrari because you know that's the other moment which in costs Charles second place that's Mm -hmm. the uh yeah you don't it's the foreshadowing and it's the far down ripple effects but in actuality even the time it would have taken sergio to overtake carlos probably would have ended up being enough to have protected charles against that you know it's like so it is it is these things like have these cascading effects where it's like at the time you don't know it but it costs ferrari a lot to have him out of the race yeah it's crazy this this is going to go down as a dominant red bull season the way the season started with Ferrari is back and it feeling like Leclerc was going to be able to challenge Verstappen for the title but when it's all said and done it's going to be a big time dub oh, big time. Uh, for Verstappen and for Red Bull. The other big storyline from Sunday was Pierre Gasly's adventures on track. Most notably you mentioned it earlier Graydon when he almost ran into a tractor during yeah. the red flags it, when he could barely see and I mean I don't know I think they said he was going about 100 miles per hour or something when this happened Right. it somehow turned into a question of is Pierre going too fast during these conditions rather than the fact that they have a gigantic piece of machinery on a third of the track here and they do penalize him happen? for this yeah. which I think I you know I this is just I really think they haven't made enough of a mea culpa about this. I know they're investigating Agreed, yeah. it and yada, yada, yada. But it's like I'm sure that, like, you know, three months from now they'll issue a statement saying, gosh, that was a mistake on our part. And it'll be like buried in some news cycle. <laughs> and they're like, uh, you know, uh, as they tend to do. But this was really bad. Like it's really Scary, dangerous man. to send a tractor out on – which is on the racing line, by the way. That's where the cars would put themselves normally. And Gasly's also not with – the safety car pack so mm-hmm. he's not able to see like the he's not like following a car through that like he's not able to see the you know the the rain lights on the car ahead of him mm-hmm. so it's that's yeah i mean i don't have much people have spilled a lot of ink on this and they're very righteously indignant all i'll say is i think they're right like the drivers are right everybody who's mad about this is right the fia needs to be more buttoned up about this that can't happen cuz yeah. it's like it only takes a blink of an eye for something really terrible oh yeah he was rightfully furious at the way it happened and it's pretty simple don't put other pieces of machinery on the course when there's cars driving around it yeah simple fix this isn't a hard rule and i i'm kind of with you that f1 is a little bit trying to sweep this under the rug right now if you're reading like post-race reports this kind of stuff isn't even mentioned they did show it on the broadcast but they showed it kind of in tandem with him coming into pit having that giant piece of a rolex advertisement on his car which they're lucky that that flattened up against his car because if that thing is sticking (laughs) straight up then he's got that in front of him too dealing with a a piece of tractor out there 
weird stuff, man. He, uh, yeah, I think you're right. And even – I think it was pretty clear that, like I, – I mean, I'm I'm speculating here a little bit. But, like, you know, Crofty and Button were talking about this. And then, like, suddenly they, like, changed subjects. I feel like somebody was in their ear Something's being up. like – hey, let's, like, move away from this, like, really egregious safety thing we just did. And then they proceeded to not talk about it for the roughly, like, you know, seven-hour rain break we had. <laughs> you know, like, like, so it's like I, that um, – or at least I presume they didn't talk about it. I'm not going to lie and act like I didn't fast-forward through a few of those Oh, parts. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. that was, like – that was a long break. I was happy for a Sunday afternoon watch to be able to go straight yeah. through the red flag. It was yeah. very nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's kind of the on-track stuff. What else was a surprise or a disappointment for you for um, Japan? You know, um, uh, well, obviously surprise, and we've already mentioned it, but Latifi in the points. Oh! What's up? Yeah. P9. P9. P9, baby. Terrific. Terrific. I mean, that was a surprise. Um, I, I'll say a disappointment but this kind of mixed one is like i was disappointed that mick schumacher ended outside the points only (laughs) because i loved their chutzpah to just stay out and see like can we make this work can we get a can we get a safety car can we get something that helps us jump the line actually it didn't work the strategy did not work right i nonetheless love that they tried it because real talk if you just went if you just did what everybody else did, you were going to lose. Like, you were never going to finish in the points if you just mapped to the strategy that everybody else did. And in fact, for the briefest of moments, Mick Schumacher was running in first. That's if right. You saw, yeah. he did, like, Alonzo pits, and he comes up in the first. <laughs> and then, like, it takes Max literally, like, three seconds to overtake him. I mean, it's almost I, – I, I had a hard time even pausing my TV to yeah. catch the moment where his icon was running. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it was so It was bad. pretty short-lived. It was pretty short-lived. But for a very brief moment, he was leading a Formula One Grand Prix. Yeah, that was big time. Uh, a good weekend for some of the back markers, yeah. like you're saying. Latifi <laughs> got some points, finishing at P9 there. Matt, uh, Mick Schumacher got to lead the race for a little bit. I'm with you. It was pretty funny when they're basically like – Hey, man, we're just hoping for a safety car. I mean, it, <laughs> it could happen. It's it rainy out there. You yeah, never totally. Know. They're not wrong. It's, like, plausible. I mean, other folks, you know, Vettel had, uh, you know, in the end had a, had a, had a really good race, um, you know, to finish where he did, especially after spinning on the first lap and seemingly blowing his incredible mm-hmm. – you know, he had a really strong qualifying and then seemingly before we're even at turn one has thrown it away. But, you know, so uh, you know, so that – which at the time seemed really disappointing. So the fact that he finished back up in the points was awesome. Um, I liked what Alonzo did. I liked – I actually liked that – I liked watching Alonzo because I was glad to see that somebody decided to pit for a second pair of enters and actually see how that went. Everybody was debating it. Ferrari was actively debating it over the radio. Honestly, maybe should have done it. Yeah. You know, maybe should have, you know, and, um, but Alonzo did do it and then did a really good job carving his way back up the field. Yeah. uh, Which was great. Although Alonzo, you know, speaking of him, you know who people are, you know what Ferrari fans are really mad about is Alonzo and the stewards. Did you see the clip of him cutting the chicane? Mm-mm. Okay, so you know how Alonzo, early in the race, early after the restart, um, he stays out on the wets and takes over him first for a bit. Uh-huh. And then they realize, they very quickly realize, track position is not more valuable here. We're getting crushed on these wet tires. You know, they and they, and they pit him. 
like, but Verstappen pits, Leclerc pits, Sergio pits, you know, and then he's in front. And then on that one back, he's got, they're like, you got to book it back to the pits because we're getting killed here on time. So at the last chicane, he just goes right through it into the pit straight. He does exactly what <laughs> Charles does. He goes right through it, which absolutely gave him an advantage. It cut time off of an in-lap that was really losing, and the stewards never did anything about it. So there were That's some crazy. of the Ferrari fans a little upset. I saw some people upset. online who were a little mad online about that. No way. A little mad online. <laughs> it never <laughs> yeah. happens. Yeah. I saw. Um, yeah, I thought <clears throat> a great weekend for Alpine, all considered. For sure. Ocon P4. I think uh, Alonso finished in P7. I don't know if this would consider if you want to throw this in for surprises or disappointments. But I was surprised and disappointed to see that Lewis Hamilton could not pass Esteban Ocon. He just could yeah. not get around him, despite the fact he was trailing him pretty closely for five or six laps at a time. Yeah, for sure. That was definitely disappointing. I uh, And a little surprising. Yeah, I kind of thought – I mean, I understood that they were really dogging Button, especially was really dogging Mercedes' yeah. straight line speed. He made that comment like eight different times over the broadcast, <laughs> it felt like. But the – yeah, I mean, I, I was a little shocked he couldn't get him there. Oh, Ocon, that's not all on Hamilton kind of not sealing the deal. Ocon did do a really nice job making sure the car was parked in spots mm-hmm. that made it overtaking super difficult. Yeah, so, I thought you know, he, he was, drove a nice race. I definitely thought he was good. Uh, more disappointing, I would see what would say was George Russell's yeah performance. He finished P eight. He just was he was in a bad spot. Pit stop wise, uh, he yeah. got double stacked behind Hamilton when they finally made the call to go to Inters, I guess, and it just took him a little bit too long to the point where he was just stuck behind everybody there. So P eight for him, P five for Hamilton, and uh, another disappointment. You gotta include Gasly. He was out after P one, started in the pit lane, finished P seventeen, I do believe, and his biggest race was with the tractor. So yeah, I mean that he that's good. I mean McLaren, another rough weekend for McLaren. Yep. You know, Alpine kind of strikes back after a great race last week for McLaren and a bad one for Alpine. They kind of turned the tables again. Yeah, there's that's you know those are those are probably the main. I mean, I I, I guess the other disappointment there that I'd note is Sonoda, who being at his home race, maybe you'd hope to have a better day, finishing the points at yep. least or something. So. One last thing to do, and that's give out our Full Beans Driver of the Weekend Award, the driver who really gave it their all out there in Japan. Braden, who are you thinking for your beans? This is a tough one. You don't think it should be Mick for leading the race at one point? No, hey, I uh, give it to him. Sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> I know. I, I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and it, this is. I'm gonna do this probably just once. Probably the last time I do this, but I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give my Full Beans. Of the week award to Sebastian Vettel. There we actually, go. To Sebastian Vettel. I know there's a few people you could give it to. Obviously, there is a uh, a world champion who might be deserving <laughs> it. But I'll say Sebastian Vettel because he drove a great Saturday, and then after a pretty brutal mistake to start the day, had a terrific comeback race from that point in a car that you know isn't always built to come back from like you know twentieth <laughs> to in yeah. the points. You know, so that so that was great at a track he loves, you know, with just a few races left in his career. So I thought a great outing from him. And did a great job. If we're also talking about fun battles that happened, Sergio and Leclerc and, and Hamilton and Ocon, 
Alonzo and Vettel, also a terrific battle out there. They did a great job weathering a storm with Alonzo on much fresher tires at that point. So I thought he drove a great race. Yeah, I'm with you. Vettel was my choice for Full Beans Driver of the Weekend as well. Was he really? Yeah, man. He had a great finish. He made Q3 in qualifying. He was the first one alongside Latifi to go in and for intermediates. You could throw that in for an, a great battle. A pit lane battle between oh, Vettel yeah. and Latifi. That was tight. Yeah. That was I don't very know if I've ever seen that. How often are there two pit lane exits? Because well, they were they, going side by side each other. I was like, is from... somebody going to get in front of each other here? Nah, they just – Well, because they're, the they're both – you know, you've got a top speed. You can go in the pit lane, so it's kind of hard to pass yeah. the other guy unless you break. You know, so you're – I. you do see that from time to time. It was – I actually thought it was the right call to not penalize him because, you know, when they release him – Latifi is way back and just then coming out of his box. He just really manages to close the gap weirdly quick. I when they reshowed it, I was like, "Oh, it was more clear than I expected." But yeah, it was a little And then it kind of happened again later on. Yeah. I forget who the second duo were, but another two drivers had like a side-by-side pit lane exit that was yeah the side by side thing was crazy i was like like you're saying it's you can't really pass because of the the speed restrictions but i thought that one of them would let the other one go and they're like no we got we got two lanes here no and it's like and i'm gonna use them and i'm not gonna let this guy in front of me right like i'm gonna hold on to the position here um a little bit, yeah, a little weird. That was cool to see. Um, and also, Sebastian Vettel was playing around on a broom, which I thought was, mm-hmm. you know, a good way to pass the time. He seems to have the most fun during stoppages of a race. I think he's got – he's, like, definitely the most, like, chilling of anybody on the grid at this point. <laughs> like, you know, like, he uh, – like, <coughs> like nothing left chilling. to prove. Like, nothing left to prove. Like, kind of just having fun out yeah. there. He's like oh, a kid out there. You know, so I uh, – no, he's yeah. I mean, everybody else is like intense and weird and like fired up and like feeling stressed about what they're gonna finish. And he's like, ah, I'm gonna go drive a race car, a speedy race car around. You know? you know. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, Sebastian. Let us know down below in the YouTube comments who's your full beans driver of the weekend, and also which Formula One driver is chilling the most out there. If it's Sebastian Vettel or is maybe somebody, somebody else. else. That's all we've got for the Japanese Grand Prix. We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, talk about some news. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Back with no breaks, we got a whole bunch of news dropping during the week, so let's play some Is This News. There it is. There it is. There we go. Is This News. I'll give you a headline, Braden. Tell me if this is or isn't news and why. First headline, this one is news. Red Bull committed a minor breach of the 2021 cost cap. Is this news? Okay. 
you just you ruin the game. I mean, you already said it was news. It is news. It's news. I would. I mean, it's some huge are, news. news. I mean, it's yeah. huge news. And I would say it's gonna. Yeah, it's gonna be a <laughs> something that dominates the news for quite a while because, in true FIA fashion, they're not gonna decide what the penalty is for this for quite a while. I don't think. What was the breach of cost cap? Okay, so the cost cap is is that there's a hundred and forty five million dollar cost cap that you can that that's the full amount that you can spend on a variety of components. Um and then uh certain things are not included in that cost cap. Driver salaries, the salaries of the top three or top highest paid members of the team, non salary so that's like team principal salary is basically what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Um travel expenses I don't believe are included in the cost cap. A variety of other things, but there's a bunch of things mostly associated with the development of the car or other operations of the team, you know, that are included in it and they have exceeded it under they they have exceeded that cost cap. They are under five percent. That's why it is a minor breach. Okay. A mo- uh, which so seven point two five million dollars uh, would be the is a is a uh, it's that or less is a minor breach. Over that is a major breach. Um, but which would have included, for example, mandatory penalty of championship and driver points if they had spent even more Hmm. so this Hmm. in this instance they have spent under they have spent over the allotted amount but under five percent more than the allotted amount and now we're going to one day learn what their penalty is going to be about it we don't (laughs) yet know exactly what the penalty is going to be how do, why do we not know what the penalty is? Not, be? Ah, well, ah, how is how is that? Ah, the, okay, <laughs> the season this season ended what ten months ago? Yeah, they finally figured out the math of the cost cap. Yeah, ten I don't months actually, later, I actually don't. They have know an there's a minor breach, why, but they don't have the penalty for it. I don't. I have an explanation as to why it takes them that long to report all <laughs> this and get to this. It sounds like get, a lot of receipts. It, it, yeah, it is a lot, a lot of, of receipts. receipts. Yeah, and it's all like self-reported. There's, I assure you, whatever these teams are doing is some very creative accounting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, like we're, ta- you know. So I no. So basically, we don't know because Red Bull, at least I believe at the time of the airing of this, has a choice, and it's a choice they've yet to make. They can either accept the penalty and say, "Yes, we did this." Which the um, advantage to that is if they accept it, they cannot be docked championship or driver points for the violation. But there's a slew of other penalties that they could get, and they are obligated to accept them because they, like, pled guilty. Or they can say (laughs) – or they can say, no, we didn't do this and fight it out in – FIA land. I mean, in, in, sure. in, a, in a made up FIA court, you know, like I, you know, and then I, <laughs> and wherever, wherever they go to, wherever they go to fight those. Things, yeah, yeah, totally. Wherever yeah. the FIA like does that sort of thing. And, um, but at that point they risk having the book thrown at them, right? Like all penalties, including the deduction of driver's points are on the table and the deduction of championship points of all seasons is especially sensitive in the year 2021, where if you don't remember, they won by a fairly narrow margin. I think that most people <laughs> yeah. probably do Woo. remember that. So, I, so it is. So it's a good question as to if they genuinely disagree and genuinely believe they were within the cap, which they so far have held that line. They've said like we don't feel this is true, and 
we feel we were within the cap, and if we were over it, it wasn't even relevant stuff. There's a rumor going around that the thing that they were over with was catering. <laughs> you know, was the reason they went over, which I have Come a whole on. I have a whole Come rant on. about that. But it's like I, but there's there there's a reason that they went on their that catering is what sent <laughs> so them over. Which doesn't we ordered make sense. too many sausages. It doesn't make sense. Oh, also, sorry, by the way, the sorry, rule yeah. isn't like you can't spend too much money on food. It's like you can't spend too much money. It doesn't matter where you did or didn't spend the money. I mean, if you spent too much money on catering and that's why you went over, that's dumb. But yeah. I, it's okay. So we don't know what's going to happen to them. Yeah, we do. Here's, here's what's going to happen to them. First and foremost, they definitely went over the cap because Christian Horner was complaining about. Smaller teams going over the cap earlier during this season, knowing in his heart we went over the cap last season. Correct. Number two, they're going to accept the penalties because they're not going to want to give up the championship. I think that's probably right. They accept it in the end. I think the question fundamentally becomes, are they going to – how severe are the penalties going to be then? Because penalties – the penalty could include – Everything from, and it lists this explicitly, a public reprimand, which is sounds not very <laughs> oh, severe man. to me, oh, being man. told you did a, did a no-no. Um, you know, fines, wind, like, removal of wind tunnel time, um, restriction from competing in certain parts of a race weekend, except for the race itself. You can't be banned from races, but you could be banned from, like, practices, basically. Mm-hmm. That basically, you lose the advantage on that given weekend okay. of participating in practice. It's basically what they're saying. Um, there uh, – or other things, you know, other restrictions, I think, it, which could also include potentially the reduction of a future future spending as well. So there is a variety of tools in the toolbox of the FIA to penalize them for that – for those infractions. And we'll see what they do. I will say I I feel fairly strongly that if you're going to have a cost cap, which I think you should because I think it will make the sport more competitive, you have to have some real penalty for mm-hmm. going over. I'm not sh- saying it has to be points, but it's like it's got to hurt them a little bit. It's got to limit their competitiveness. It's got to hurt them on the track somewhat because – if it's just like a fine and a public yeah. reprimand, then every other team, then like Ferrari and Mercedes just like started swiping their credit card oh, on yeah. a million. Th- and it's like I'll take a fine and a public reprimand all day if it gives me a bigger competitive advantage. Like exactly. everybody, you know, just not even have the cost cap if it's not going to be a penalty that that hurts a little bit. You know, so I think so. It's got it's got to be something like that. I just don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the the NBA has a repeater tax, right? Once you go over the the cost caps, hard cap or luxury tax line, once you go over it too many seasons in a row, it starts adding up. But you're totally right. If there's no penalty for being five percent over, then the cap is really just five percent of over of whatever you said. The yeah, cap yeah, was. yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Then that's actually the cap we want to stay under, and we're willing to always do a minor infraction of this, and then everybody. Yeah. Because as other teams have pointed out, as Mattia Bonotto, who's you know rightfully upset about it, has pointed out, spending an extra seven you know seven million dollars is is probably he estimated half a second of pace on the car. And from my understanding of the way people have talked about it in the past, that that sounds about right. That actually that doesn't sound like it's an overstatement. You know what I mean? So, and given that that money, that money was going to two things. That money was going to 
the car they were building to compete with Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes mm-hmm. last year, but it was also going to the development of the 2022 car. So they have pissed off both Mercedes and Ferrari <laughs> <laughs> because because both of them are feel they are were disadvantaged by you know this sure. breach. So they have you know. And we're going to see. They got a lot of lot of people with more with money as well that are going to be upset with them. Yeah, that's. I will tell you right now. No matter what happens, it's like we are. A lot of people are going to be mad online. Like a good fifty percent. <laughs> no matter what happens, fifty percent of the F one world is going to be furious. I honestly can't believe the twenty twenty one championship is back up for grabs. <laughs> I thought we were done with that season, but I also thought we were done listening to cereal. And apparently, that's back as Wait, well. Wait, what? Cereal's back. There's a new episode after the Adnan Syed uh, news that he's had charges dropped. He's going to be a free man. Oh, wow. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know that. <laughs> we'll, fo- we'll follow up in the podcast world. <laughs> Afterwards! You said, what, a half-second pace for that's what they. I mean, bucks? that's what Bonotto suggested. He said, I think it's. I think that buy you about, that gets you about half a second on track. It could also get you, uh, according to my mental math, something like 35 million shrimp cocktails. If they're twenty dollars a piece, Whew. I mean, we're just uh, these these Catering brunches <laughs> must have been sick. That's why Total Wolf always orders pumpernickel toast. He's very cheap. Very cheap. Keeps the cost down, and you don't spend all of your budget. He actually is weirdly <laughs> frugal for like a guy who is just fabulously wealthy just absolutely balling like i remember a there was a really good news article once where a guy went to interview him and he met him in his hotel room to interview him and he's like and i walked in and i was kind of confused because toto was in like a very simple hotel room and i just presumed he would stay somewhere very nice sure. being fabulously wealthy you know so <laughs> yeah and i so i think he might have a frugal stream mm. and i think That's christian horner and rich. i think christian horner does not <laughs> <laughs> i think christian horner is a, is a you can't take it with you, you spend it while you're here kind of man that's right that's right well from one group of people who are fabulously wealthy to some more we've got a lot of driver news we're still doing is this news right now so still in the middle of a segment right now i almost forgot myself i thought we were just talking about brunch plans Anyways, uh, Pierre Gasly to join Alpine in the 2023 season is this news. I mean, it. I'm actually going to lean a little no, only in the sense that like, we've kind of known this is going to happen yeah. for a while. This is, I, this is just the culmination of something that we've all suspected and or just basically been operating as if it was going to be the case for quite a, quite a while now. And I'm really excited about this. Gasly needs a new start. He needs a, a clean slate, and it's nice that he'll get it on a fairly competitive team. It's cool to have the French team have an all-French lineup. I think it's nice. I think it's a nice thing for the sport, and I'm excited for Pierre for him to get a fresh start and leave the Red Bull environment, which has been just suboptimal for him the last couple of years. Yeah, they were not totally looking out for him, but just happy to have him around, whereas he'll go to Alpine now, an all-French team with his buddy Esteban Ocon. That should be fun to watch, but you're right. This isn't totally news. This is just now official news. Yeah. Who's the number one driver, though? For Alpine, between Ocon and Gasly. They're probably in the same sort of stratosphere respect I mean, if you had, last season, if you had asked me who's the better driver, I would have said Gasly without mm-hmm. a doubt. This year, you know, A, I think Ocon has actually driven reasonably well. He's he's still ahead of Alonso, who has driven very well, you know, so you deserve credit for that, he's, you know. And then Gasly's had a pretty 
mediocre season. Let's be real. Yep. So I, you know, so I, it's it's tough to say. I think they'll probably just they'll just be equals fifty fifty drivers, and you know they'll have to just win out there on track. I definitely don't think the team's going to be doing team orders or like sure. f- meaningfully favoring either guy. All right. Well, if Pierre Gasly left AlphaTauri, that means they have a seat to fill. So, Graydon, your next is this news topic. Nick DeVries will replace Pierre Gasly at AlphaTauri in 2023 is this news. I want to also say this is not news in the sense that we, like, literally, we even talked about this last week almost as if it was fact, even yep. though it wasn't as confir- it wasn't confirmed, right? So, I mean, yet another instance where we've known this, not as long as we've known Gasly to Alpine, but we've known this. And I think this is great, much deserved. DeVries is a real talent. We saw that at Monza, you know, getting in the points. You know, so I, I'm glad he has a drive. I'm, I'm pumped to see what he can do. Yeah, it'd be Despite, cool. Despite, as we discussed earlier, what is a pretty wild spelling of the name Nick. It's hard to figure out where the Y comes from. Because as we, we noted, his full name is... Hendrik Nicasius. H- Hendrik Johannes Nicasius DeVries. But the Nick Cassius or whatever, and that is N I C A whatever whatever. So his the Nick has got an I in it, but now he's got a Y. Suddenly, bang! <laughs> I don't. Why? I don't know if this uh, applies to everybody, but I think N Y C K looks like a faster name than N I C K. Your mileage may vary. I don't know. The Y looks fast to me. <laughs> Am I crazy, JD? Is that a crazy take? A Y looks faster than an I. <laughs> I, I'm with you 100%. Yeah, it does. It's more it efficient looks... somehow. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. You don't yeah. got to stop and make two separate parts, a dot and a line. Oh, you think it's quicker. But a Y, you got to draw a boat. You got to kind of – you think you can draw an I? Okay. I, yeah. I, um, I think it's – Tough call. I That's mean, a yeah. tough call there. It makes it feel more Dutch. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah, you, you look go. at it there and you're you like, go. oh, this feels very Dutch now. All right, so that is the Williams team. Are are they going to be better? You think DeVries is better than oh, no, that's Alpha Tauri. Oh, that's Al- Oh yeah, that's Alpha Tauri. My bad. Yeah, that is Alpha Tauri. Oh yeah, I forgot. DeVries will drive for every team. He was like in yeah. Aston Martin's practices before he got yeah, points for yeah, Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's going to Alpha Tauri. They're like, hey man, you yeah. like my Y? I'll hop on with you. <laughs> One driver though who will not have a drive most likely for the next season. Daniel Ricciardo says it's unlikely he's in Formula One next year. Is this news? I mean, I've I've been I'm gonna say no. I'm also not gonna news. say no. Not, not news. news. We knew this. I think it was very clear at some point that there were the top team. Alpine wasn't interested in him. The top teams weren't interested in him. He didn't want to go to Haas or Williams. He didn't want to drive in a back marker. This was gonna happen. It's a bummer. But I also think if he's gonna insist on having like a competitive drive and you know that. And given the way he's performed, it's yeah, it's I, he seems very confident he can get back in in 2024. Hmm. I don't know what those those conversations have looked like or who's taken an interest in him. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't even know you know what seats are going to be available, but I don't know. We'll see. I hope it's not the last we see of him. Yeah, we've had a few drivers recently. I feel like leave for just a short period of time and then come back. It happened with Alonzo. Happened with Magnussen. Happened with Ocon. Happened with Ocon. Exactly right. Yeah, guys make their guys do dip in, dip out, and then figure out a way to get back in. It definitely happens. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see. I feel like the one thing about a lot of those guys, Alonzo, former world champion. Champ. There's 
real respect for guys who've been to the mountaintop like that. They're always willing to take a flyer on them. Ocon, you know, there was he always had Toto Wolf in his as his manager at throwing his weight around on his behalf. Magnuson was it took some pretty shocking kind of geopolitical events actually right. like, to get him back <laughs> in the seat. You know, yeah. like I so in this instance it's I'm kinda like, who's in Ricardo's corner? Like who's the person who takes a flyer on him, who throws their weight around to fight for him? It feels like that list is increasingly short. Yeah. You know Especially if he doesn't want to drive for a backmarker team, because it's like you drove for Red Bull, you drove for McLaren, you drove for Alpine, kind of. If you're, if you're, so the other options like Red Bull's not taking him back. Ferrari not, ain't calling. Ferrari ain't calling. I really don't think Mercedes is calling. I don't think even let's say Lewis hangs it up. I don't think Mercedes's call is to is mm-hmm. to is to stick Rick next to Danny Rick next to George Russell. I don't think that's Probably the not. move. You know, so I don't, I don't, I kind of don't know what he's waiting around for, but we'll find out. And I certainly don't know. I will say what I. I'm not sure that waiting around and just sitting at home on the couch or driving in some other series, you know, German, you know, you know, sports cars or whatever these other guys go and do is actually better than like being in the Haas mm-hmm. for a year, being on the grid, having a chance to have some good races and getting the points and show your stuff, show you're better than another driver. Because I'm not sure that sitting at home is going to do them all that well, but – We'll see. Yeah, you make a good point. Um, Williams and Haas still have seats available for next year's grid, but Ricardo's going to be a media star eventually. Whenever he decides to go and do yeah. commentary or something, he's going to be one of the biggest stars because he's obviously one of the biggest stars of Drive to Survive anytime they come around. People love his personality. He's chatty. So I assume we'll see him on broadcasts uh, at least some point in the future for sure. Moving on, though, our next uh, is this news. The W Series announces an early end to the 2022 season. This sounds suspiciously like bad news to me. I would say this is both news and it's bad news, yes. It's definitely a bummer to see the W Series like not have the financing in place to finish out the year. That feels mm-hmm. – that just doesn't bode well. They claim that they've got plenty of locked up to go again next year. It just took a while to – you know, complete that, and then this is because somebody who was going to bring in something like fifty million dollars backed out at the last moment, and it caught them off guard. It's all—it's a bummer, though. You know, I do want to see the series survive. I would love to see it. It hasn't really fulfilled its promise, which is like getting more women into the true F1 pipeline, getting them F3 drives or F2 drives. So I'm, you know, I'm still hopeful that it can, but I don't know. We'll see. It definitely doesn't. It doesn't feel like a good sign not a good omen no it's not a good omen i don't i don't love the sound of it i did see though that the early end of the season gave jamie chadwick her third straight title correct which is awesome for her but maybe a little bit of cutting off your nose to spite your face uh for the w series because she's allegedly considering a move to the indie lights circuit which if you're losing the three-time champion that's also can't be great for her no but i would like to see her i mean indie lights i wish she was in true indycar or something like that but i mean at least it's nice to see her in like a more indie lights is a pretty competitive series you know it's 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 one where she'll have a real chance to step up into indycar i think you know if she does well there at least she's moving on i will say I don't know that if nobody's offering her a Formula 3 drive or even, or a Formula 2 drive for that matter, which seemingly they're not, you know, you know, um, 
then th- then this is the right move for her. What what more does she have to come around and win yet a fourth W Series <laughs> yeah. title next year? I don't know what more there is to prove for her. So I'm glad I'm glad I'm not. It's not good for the series because she's the she is the unquestionable star of the series. But it's like it's good for her, which is it's time to move on and like try to make something of your career. You yep, know, so. it seems like she's gotten everything out of the W Series that she possibly could. So yep. maybe on to Indy Lights, Indy Car, and then who knows? Maybe back to the Formula Series. We shall see. Our final is this news: Yuki Sonoda and Pierre Gasly butcher an Adele song in karaoke sesh. Take a listen. Um, is it news that Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda cannot sing the high notes in an Adele song? I mean, I think it's <laughs> it's something. It's, it's really something. Um, Honestly, I that's exactly that the way I would sing that I mean, Adele that's song exactly too. what I'm like at karaoke. It's terrible, but I'm giving it 100%. I'm giving it full beans. <laughs> giving it full beans? You got to. You got to. JD, what do you think? Um, this is a little hybrid here. Is this good? Pick, picking a good singer's song for karaoke, knowing that you're not a singer. Is this good? Oh, uh, totally. Yes, of course it's yeah. good. And it, respect to them, they were belting it oh, out. Oh, yeah. Going full beans, as you say, Graydon. So, yeah, I'm totally in on this. I I didn't even think it was that bad. They were kind of in tune. You're screaming it, but who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's karaoke. That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. You know what? They, you know what? I'm so happy about that video that they got, which you have. I see. You see, so rarely captured in media is the weird music videos that <laughs> yeah. accompany karaoke songs, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. like that they've got. That's not the real Adele music video, like playing in the background. I love those. I'm always so fascinated by what those are going to be. Do you have a specific song that you go full beans on when you're doing karaoke? I mean, I go, uh, there. I mean, I have a few karaoke go tos. I I mean, uh, "Friends in Low Places" by Garth oh. Brooks has like a long holding note that like, can I actually do that? No. <laughs> do I give it my all anyways? Yes. You know, like, like that, that's probably like a full beans moment for me. Um. <laughs> Uh, you know, I blame it on your roots, but I'm kind of surprised you didn't show up in boots today. Oh. You usually do. <laughs> I, do I, I do. It's actually cold outside for you to not be wearing it's, boots, ah, man. You'll lovely. wear boots yeah. when it's this 95 my, degrees. This is my fall, man. This is, this is crisp, crisp fall weather. This is the time I thrive, my friend. Fall uh, above all. That's yeah. it. it for is this news a chunky segment chunky segment yeah we went long there's a lot of news this week we're gonna take one more break when we come back we'll talk about a little place called the United States looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24-7 US based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, 
D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yurman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yurman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Back with no breaks. We've got no race this coming weekend, but for the weekend of October 21st through October 23rd, Formula One will be here in the United States at the Circuit of the Americas. Graydon, you remember last year's podium? Yeah. uh, Max Verstappen won. Mm -hmm. Uh, Indeed, he did. Lewis Hamilton got second. I believe Sergio Perez got third. This man is locked in. It was actually a really good race because Lewis is like hunting him down. And we thought – and it seemed like it was going to be like a classic instance where like like he overtakes him late. But Max held him off. And it was – I remember the Sergio thing only because the crowd, which has a large Mexican contingent, was really fired up for Sergio on the podium. And it was fun. Yeah, and it was a fun-looking podium, remember? Because they had Shaq up there, and he wasn't oh, standing my. on any of the boxes, but he was still, like, oh my God, <laughs> head and shoulders taller than all the drivers yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get to a little bit of that stuff in a second. But first, let's take a look at the standings, just because that's something we do. You see the gold numbers there for Max Verstappen Ooh. in the driver standings as he has locked in his second championship in a row. Sergio Perez also moved into P2 after that penalty from Charles Leclerc, who is now in P3 overall. Leclerc leads from Russell, Sainz, Hamilton, Norris, Ocon, Alonso, and Valtteri Bottas, a guy whose name finally got mentioned during this episode. (laughs) As for the team standings, uh, Red Bull has not locked in their championship quite yet, but that will be coming in due time. They lead Ferrari, who is in P2, followed by Mercedes, Alpine, McLaren, Alfa Romeo, Aston Martin, Haas, Alfa Tauri, and Williams, just stacking up those points with Nicholas Latifi bringing home the big P9 in Japan. So, Graydon, we're going to be racing here in a couple of weeks. Who does Circuit of the Americas favor? I mean, it's pro- at RB, this point, I think everybody, like every track favors, track favors RB, I think. I mean, I, I, I think Ferrari haven't shown to be consistently good at the tracks that I've I've thought favored them, so we're just going to say RB here. I mean, but it is it is a fun one. You know, it's, it's the, I think the drivers really enjoy it. It's got that great hill up uh the run up to turn one mm-hmm. you know the big turn one big red which we looked at a few weeks back is great uh it's got a great kind of hairpin and back straight kind of uh part on it that i don't know I, I think it's a fun one i think it can make for some good races there's some great overtaking opportunities both on the main straight the back straight and then in the final sector uh that make it like something where there there can be some excitement in this race, especially I think with these newer spec cars that can follow more closely, we're gonna see probably a more dynamic race, not like our most wild overtaking of the season, but more so than like Singapore and Japan. It's a step back towards the middle there. Yeah, let's hope for a little bit of a bounce back race on track, uh, off track. You know there's going to be some celebrities in attendance. Oh, for sure. Probably. Make a random prediction here. Who's Who's a celebrity we're going to see in Austin? Mm. I just mentioned the man. I'm going to come all the way back to him, Garth Brooks. Ooh. What if we got a Garth Brooks sign? That would be good. That would be good. That would be really good. You don't good. see him every day. 
he don't actually don't see Garth that much. Yeah, he's not out there. He's he's living. I don't even know where he is. Oh, okay, that's one second prediction. Kevin Costner. Oh, Our Yellowstone, oh, Yellowstone season five coming soon. And he makes it. He shows up and you in know boots? he's he's got shows his, up in boots. Shows up in boots. He's doing his like grizzled, you know, late Kevin Costner talk. You know, do you watch Yellowstone? I watched <laughs> Skeets, like like basically forced me to watch season one. Yeah. yeah, and we did watch it, but we fell off. We haven't kept it up. Yeah, Skeets also forced me to watch season one. Did you? And keep then it I up? watched seasons one through four. I love it. Okay, so you're in on it. Yeah. Okay. I, we can give it another. I think we were just. It is. It is some crazy Costner voice though. He's, he's yeah. He's doing he's like just a, growling the whole time. Yeah, yeah he does Arr. a very growly, like kind of affected thing. Yeah. <laughs> You've been watching Yellowstone, JD. <laughs> I have not gotten in on you know, <laughs> I'm not a peacock man. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, and I'm definitely not an ad man. So I'm not yeah. sitting through those ads for Yellowstone for four seasons. Yeah, good uh, call. I may, I may get a, uh, a trial and jump in because people rate – there's nobody I've met that doesn't like that show who's seen the show. It's so. a good binge show for sure. It's uh, it's a lot. It's a, like same realm of quality for me as Ozark, where it's like entertaining to keep watching as long as you're not thinking about the fact that they have to put something crazy in every single episode right. to sure, keep you sure, watching. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, my other question for you about the race in Austin, Graydon. According to the F1 website, there's a reason Austin is often regarded as America's coolest city. You grew up in Austin. Is it America's coolest city? <laughs> wow. Um, I think it is a very cool city. America's coolest city feels as if this is like a trap question. <laughs> I mean, I don't have an answer. But I'm like, I don't know. You lived in Austin. You lived yeah. in New York. You lived in Chicago. I, I mean, I, cool but I'm an old Austin. I'm an old Austin guy, though. So it's because, you know, I, I grew up there. So I get to be curmudgeonly and insist like it was cooler 20 oh. years ago than it is today. <laughs> right. So that's where that's where it's hard for me because I'm like, well, it can't even be the cool. It's sure. May, maybe it's cool now, but you guys should have seen it back in like the summer of 92, Ooh. man. You summer lived there 92. before it was cool. Yeah, yeah. It was back when it was simply the live music capital of the world, as we called it. So you're saying that the F1 website should read, there's a reason Austin used to be America's coolest city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that Austin has a weird, like, has a weird familiarity like cachet with like people from other countries like yeah I, i've like been in europe and like i'm talking with somebody and i'm like and, and i'm like oh have you ever visited the united states they're like yeah i'm like where have you been they're like i've been to new york la and austin texas and i'm kind of like really like that like that's the other city you've been to and they're like yeah i heard it was cool like it seems like there yeah. is a like if people from around the globe want to go to a middle american city a, a city that they associate with being not like a bi-coastal global city but still that feels accessible to them austin is on their short list of places to give a shot fair enough jd real quick what would you pick as america's coolest city we're in it man. Ooh! 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 decatur Ooh! georgia Deca yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> well atlanta atlanta yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta, Atlanta's greatest sleeper city. I'll say that. People get here and they're like, whoa, Atlanta's awesome. People love Yeah, Atlanta's awesome. You just got to get here. 100%. Huge sleeper city. Huge sleeper city. Huge sleeper city. Nonetheless, we won't be going to Austin until the weekend of October 21st through 23rd, which means we need a different kind of show 
on the No Breaks channel next week. So send us your Formula One questions. We're going to do a mailbag episode. Send them to nodunksattheathletic.com. You can tweet them to us at nodunksinc. You can copy me and Graydon if you want to. We'll find them any which way. Uh, what else we got? Let's plug some stuff here. You should follow Graydon on Twitter, at MRGordian. At Mr. Gordian, you got any cool tweets coming up? Thanks. I mean, I'm going to send a <laughs> bunch of great tweets this week. <laughs> Do you ever think about a tweet more than like 10 minutes before you send it? I mean, I barely think about a tweet more than 30 seconds oh, before I cool send guy. it. I mean, honestly, oh, I'm out there. I got just, flames on my fingers. I'm out there just, just firing off whatever dumb thing comes to my mind. I mean, I really don't. It is not that premeditated for me. Like, yeah. All right. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at No Dunks Inc. That's I-N-C. We've got part three of our season preview tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern. Parts four and five will be Thursday and Friday. Today on the show, Graydon, we picked our MVPs. Okay. What do you got for MVP of the season coming up? Oh, uh, uh, Luka Doncic. <laughs> Me too, buddy. Did you really? Nice. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, he is yeah. the betting favorite right now. Is he actually? Ah, uh, yeah. that's kind of a bo- I was uh, hoping to not I know. pick I know. I was hoping to, like, not that that would have been a hot take, but I also don't. I wish I wouldn't have immediately gone with it. <laughs> you thought you were favorite. picking somebody off the beaten. Yeah, I thought a little That's how bit. They get you, man. I thought a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. I think uh, I think Embiid is number two uh, in okay. the favorites. So we'll be talking uh, part three tomorrow. We've also got is this good tomorrow on the No Dunks channel. I'll be a guest on that. Don't think we have our topics quite yet. Yeah, so. we don't. Okay. Uh, slipstream team uh, wanting to see Graydon on is this good? Oh, oh. you'll be great on. You is know this what? Good. I'll do it. He's I'm, I'm happy to do it. He's Just, in. Oh, where's Where's Matty O? I gotta. I'll call. I'll call Matty O and I'll yell at him. Get you in the mix like, for sure. Make, put me on the Put me on the show, you coward! I'll yell. <laughs> put me on the show. <laughs> Is this good, Austin, Texas? Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it enough. may not be the coolest city anymore ever since Graydon moved away, <laughs> but it's still good. <laughs> We've also got no buffs on Thursday. Uh, you you <clears throat> watching Survivor this season? No. No. I, I, Skeet's made you watch Yellowstone, but he hasn't got you to watch He Survivor hasn't yet. got me to watch Survivor. Great time to get in. Is because it started the season? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, they've done three episodes. Episode four is tomorrow. You can catch right up. All you need is three hours. No, that's not true. All you need is five hours. <laughs> Why? <are these> episode, <laughs> episode one, two hours. Episode two, an hour and a half. Episode three, a cool one hour. Okay. Yeah, but you don't, you don't need to. You can jump right in. Just, yeah, just listen yeah, to our yeah, podcast, man. We'll tell you everything. I, I'll, I'll listen to the podcast again. This is – I <sighs> – I mean, I've almost want to go and watch it so I can understand why you guys watch it so much. It's, this is so far from like something that the fact that all of you love Survivor is was so mind blowing to me when it first came. It's years that you've been that you've loved it. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it yeah, first yeah. came up twenty years, years ago. First came up a decade ago that you guys first mentioned this to me. Back when Austin was cool is when they started. Back Survivor. when Austin was still cool. Yeah, before is Survivor, the coolest show on television. Yes, actually. Uh, so tune in. <laughs> Uh, that's all the various projects where you've got going on right now that we're going to get grading in on <laughs> at some point. <laughs> We've also got the NBA season starting next week. Hey, you watching the NBA season? I'm going to probably watch a little oh. bit of the NBA season. <laughs> hey, we should have you on the podcast. It's going to be it's going to be rough for me, but I'll be doing it. <laughs> all right, Clipper Bros. These guys are cool. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Be fast or be last.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.